0: Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Professor Christian Luprecht is back with us Queens University and Royal Military College, senior fellow at the NATO Defense College in Rome. Christian, thank you very much uh, for the time. What's your assessment of these two months since the Russian troops crossed into Ukraine?
1: Well, I think one lesson that we've learned here is not to believe ever the narratives that are spun by authoritarian regimes, right? So fourth largest military in the world, there's massive defense spending, um, that uh, the Russians were simply not up to the task and everything we knew about the Russian military in terms of its dysfunctions um, and its command and control problems, its logistics issues, its maintenance issues, its morale issues um, uh, all uh, came to a head. But I mean, we still see this playing out. The Russians are now trying to do a bit better on uh concentrating their forces shortening their supply lines um, but uh, they still have significant issues coordinating um, airstrikes and land forces and um, uh, they they continue to have challenges in coordinating at the tactical level within and between units um, and they still have significant command and control sort of issues so i think so that's one of the lessons that we've learned another is that putin is determined that this is uh, him and his generation and his uh, Kremlin cronies um, are profoundly aggrieved about the effectively uh, the Soviet Union. And so now Russia, by extension, having lost the Cold War um, and uh, that they have uh, imperial ambitions for Russia that they will not drop and uh, so Biden's point about the European free cannot uh, live in security and safety as long as Putin is in power I think is also one of the lessons that we have to take away but I think we also need to keep in mind that if we play ahead 10 20 years the new generation of kleptocrats in Russia is still as kleptocratic as the current elite but they're not aggrieved about losing the Cold War and they want to maintain their wealth and they see the destruction of wealth as a result of this war. So I think we don't want to alienate Russia too much. And I think we've seen this sort of by the West uh, in, in its response. And we've also seen that Uh, we didn't get ourselves enough credit. That Operation Unifier, to which Canada, of course, has contributed very actively since 2015 um, with the United States and the United Kingdom, training Ukrainian soldiers. We saw the way the Ukrainian military underperformed in 2014 when challenged by Russia. Um, And I think everybody, uh, except for the people who I think maybe did the training, um, were surprised by how uh, resiliently Ukraine has been able to respond. And so it shows that Um, precisely to your introduction, that intervention and the sort of supports that we've provided over the years make a massive difference and this is why it's so tragic that canada has been so modest in its support because of course canada paid it forward canada had such foresight when it came to op unifier in its participation when no continental european country was prepared to pitch in canada had such foresight with the enhanced forward presence in latvia where it was again the Americans in Poland, it was the Brits in Estonia, it was Canada and Latvia, and only the Germans as the only continental European country as a framework nation that stepped up in Lithuania. Now, of course, all the other member or most of the other NATO member countries provide support for the enhanced forward presence. But I would say it's, it's really tragic for me to watch here because we made all this investment. We provided this massive down payment that is getting us through to this point, but now Canada is saying, well, you know, we've sort of paid our dues and sort of we'll just kind of step back. And look, I think the difference here is the Brits that continue to put in everything they have and then some, just now announcing 8,000 troops for For Exercise Hedgehog, that's uh, that's about to happen. Clearly, in the United Kingdom and and increasing most European continental European countries, including Germany, that has been so reticent. This is being treated like an existential conflict, not just for democracy but for the international rules based order. And I think Canada and the federal government are still treating this as sort of a bit discretionary. You know, we we can pitch in. We'll do a little bit here and there, but it's really not the main show. This is the main show. These are the Napoleonic Wars of the 21st century, and the outcome of Ukraine has profound ramifications for the future of this century.
0: Okay, so now let's look at this in the two minutes before we take the break. Given all of that you've said, and I agree with everything you've said, the existential threat that exists, Putin continues, using the word threat, he continues to threaten the use of nuclear weapons. Do you fear that he will or might resort to nukes, even battlefield nukes, to further frighten the world. If he finds himself like a rat in a corner, would he reach for nukes, any kind of nukes?
1: so let's go by what we know so sergey lavrov the foreign minister just in the last two days said the west is sort of overplaying all this nuclear stuff russia has never actually said anything of the sort uh this nuclear saber rattling by russia is simply a provocation by the west that russia doesn't intend to use nuclear weapons so that could sound like de-escalation from the foreign minister in terms of like You know, like that's that's nobody needs to be on edge here. We also know that since the beginning of the conflict, um, right in the very first days of March, uh, this was not widely reported. Russia and the United States established a hotline, uh, just like the way they have in Syria, and just like the way they've had throughout the Cold War, uh, to communicate and deconflict on Ukraine. So we know that there are back military channels uh, in place to try to avoid any misinterpretation or missignaling. So that cooperation is hopeful. At the same time. Sweden and Finland looking to join NATO I mean yes they're concerned about their territorial integrity but what they're really concerned about is tackle nuclear weapons in kaliningrad because there's no defense against those weapons other than um, strategic deterrence so so nuclear deterrence by the united states and so that's really what them becoming the 31st and 32nd likely new members of uh of nato is about so certainly those two countries um and uh continental europe is taking very seriously um, potential by Russia to resort less so to strategic nuclear weapons, but possibly to uh, the use of tactical nuclear weapons, uh, possibly on the Ukrainian battlefield, if things in the coming days continue not to go the way that uh, Putin would like with his dysfunctional military.
0: Christian, when it comes to intelligence, Mr. Putin is not happy. With his own military intelligence, he's placed several of his officers in prison. I'm just wondering, is that Russian military... Uh, rotting from within? Maybe rotting is a strong word. Is it starting to uh, become more dysfunctional from the center on out as they're now facing the Ukrainian military that is punching before its weight? And does the Ukrainian military have the ability, given the influx of weapons and ammunition from the West, does the Ukrainian military have the capability to push the Russians back to their own border?
1: Yeah, I think this comes down to a question of professionalism. And I think what the Russians really have exhibited here is that they are not very professional and part of this comes down to the large conscript army but i think what's not been widely reported is that a lot of these conscripts come uh from the eastern parts of russia so these are areas that are very far flung they're they're very violent places and so this is also why you see some of this extreme depravity uh in terms of the behavior by troops but That also then shows that these are just not very disciplined troops. I mean, what you want your troops to focus on isn't on abusing civilians. You want to make sure that they ultimately prosecute the war effort, because everything else here is ultimately a a distraction from the military aims that you're looking to achieve. And it seems so not only does, for all the reasons that I outlined at the beginning, does the Russian military have great difficulty itself as an organization achieving these aims, it reflects, I think, as I've pointed out in your program before, military sociology. Militaries reflect the qualities of their society, and and we just have a, you know, what what is Russia? I mean, it's a developing country with nuclear weapons. And it could be a prosperous, thriving civilization if it wasn't ruled by kleptocrats that continue to extort and abuse the institutions of the state for their own purpose. So I think that is really the big advantage that the Ukrainian military has, that if it continues to focus on professionalism and prosecuting the war effort and not getting distracted by hatred against uh against russia russian soldiers and so forth if it keeps its eyes on the ball as it has uh for uh what over 60 days now i think the uh there is a good chance that uh the the ukrainians will be able to continue to resist and i think the meat they sort of Three areas here. So the immediate is resisting until May 9th so that Putin doesn't have anything where he can declare victory, uh, any gains that he has made for his whatever great fatherland sort of parade, whatever that he wants to announce. The next is then holding out over the coming months, because Putin, I think, will have to reconstitute substantially if he can't achieve aims um, by May 9th, because he'll have lost so many men uh, and so much material that there's an opportunity here, I think, for Ukraine to be able to hold the line and continue to make life difficult for Russia. And I think in the long term, Ukraine may actually be able to push back militarily, but that continues requires continued resolve by NATO and Western countries. And remember, everything that Putin does isn't just designed for tactical purpose on the battlefield. It is meant to divide NATO and the European Union. Uh, And certainly, this is why coming back to your initial question about attacking nuclear weapons, uh, that would certainly be a massive challenge for NATO uh, should he use such a weapon. And so maintaining unity is going to be the single biggest challenge for Canada and allies, which is another reason why Canada needs to continue to show resolve in its contributions to the Ukrainian effort.
0: Yeah. Increase then resolve. Um, Hasn't Putin, though, really performed a task that many didn't think was possible? And that is unify NATO nations that have been arguably drifting apart from one another.
1: Well, the first secretary general of uh, NATO, Lord Ismay, the famous statement about what is the purpose of NATO? To keep the Russians out, to keep the Americans in and to keep the Germans down. And uh, I think we're seeing uh, NATO finding uh, its DNA in its original roots here. Um, we had the challenge of keeping the Americans in uh, through the Trump administration where everybody was reminded that they had to do more, which is, I think, why Europe here stepped up. I'm not sure we would have the same response from continental Europe um, if it hadn't been from the, for the Trump administration. Um, I think we see the resolve in, uh, keeping, uh, uh, in keeping the Russians out. Uh, and I think we also see The pressure uh, uh, that has built on Germany now being the largest, the, the key pivotal country in Europe, Um, that uh, while the initial uh, objective may have been to keep the Germans within their borders, uh, that now NATO needs to make sure that Germany actually steps up as a leader in continental defense, continental security, and international security policy, and we can, I think, finally see Germany um, uh, maturing into that key leadership role in Europe.
0: If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts